Hello, hello. One has to love crafting cosmic horror in order to convey the terrifying themes in today's story. Written by the writing Mephisto. Since I was a boy, I was drawn to the idea of exploring the cosmos. Going to see stars that are far beyond our reach, not only in distance, but also in the fact that time itself will have sundered these heavenly bodies by the time we did reach them. This led to a lifetime devoted to a boy's dream of space travel. From this timeline, I realized there are two achievements science longs for. Being able to explore our galaxy fully and being able to transcend the barriers of time itself. The former goal proved itself to be far more achievable than the latter. In recent years, we have made astonishing new breakthroughs in space travel. But even with these new inventions to simplify the process of leaving the planet, we remain literal light years away from becoming true galactic trailblazers. When it comes to the transcendence of time itself, however, well, let's just say, Time continues to march onward. There is, however, one theory that might be able to solve both these challenges. The possibility of faster-than-light travel. I'm certain that all of you have at least once in passing heard of Einstein's proclamation that nothing in the known universe is faster than light. Years have been spent further investigating this claim, and it has always rung true. Our galaxy is governed by ironclad rules that no one can bend or break. Now, I could get into the specifics about FTL, but that would take a while. But for the sake of argument, let's say you were standing next to a tree and you saw a flagpole coming out of the side of it, meaning that it is going horizontally out of the tree. Now, I want you to imagine holding the flagpole while walking away from the tree, taking in all the sights around you. The tree represents the first light, the Big Bang, as it is called. And all the sights you see as you follow the flagpole to its end is everything that ever happened in the reality's brief existence. You see man's first steps, the first cities, the great wars and plagues until you reach the end of the flagpole. Congratulations, you reach the here and now. FTL travel would be you escaping that flagpole that you were attached to. But continuing to walk forward will result in the flagpole moving with you. Our current theory to escape light is that you would need to turn around to face the tree again from your position at the end of the flagpole. Then you simply need to start running at full speed towards that tree. As you run back to the tree, you run past everything you saw, but now it is all in reverse. You are running all the way back towards the source of all light, back towards the bang that got this entire show started. Now, don't go thinking you could simply stop and shoot Hitler on the way back. You're only seeing the echo of what already happened. During this trip down memory lane, you're still tied to the flagpole and can in no way alter where it goes or bend it to your liking. You have only escaped light and, by extension, time once you are on the opposite end of the tree where both the tree and flagpole are no longer in sight. This is all a pipe dream, however. Time is not a stationary flagpole, after all. It keeps moving. 
And even if you could match its speed, you would still have about 13.8 billion years worth of light to go just to get to the start of our little universe. Not to mention the fact that this is not so much time travel as it would be a simple trip down memory lane. Once you stop, all that time will sneak back past you, and then you are simply back where you started. Now then, why is this relevant? I hear you ask. You did not come here to receive a lecture on time and space. You are more than capable of wasting an afternoon link hopping for these answers. The reason is that I have recently discovered that travel across time is actually easier to understand than the travel through space. And it is all thanks to a dream. A dream I have been having for the last 20 years. Before I continue, I believe it is necessary for me to explain this dream first, as it will assist in my explanation of time travel further on. The dreams would always start more with physical sensations. No lights, no sounds, only an intense cold. The type of cold that leaves one's body numb. Having no access to any other sense beyond the physical, I attempted to reach out for anything in the impenetrable shadows, only to realize that my movements are completely restricted, as though I were wrapped tightly in a blanket, a strange membrane-like prison which fully enveloped me. Out of panic, I began to struggle against my bonds even more, and with each movement I would feel more pushback from the walls of this malleable coffin. The walls began to react. I could feel them pushing back against me as though I had begun a cascade of desperation. Who is that? Why am I here? What did I do? Please let me out. These words whispered within my own mind, but I couldn't tell if they were my own or spoken from a great distance by someone else. These whispers began to increase in scale. Why? Where? How? When? Are you still there? Is this hell? When did I die? All the while, I simply kept wiggling, if not to escape, then to distract myself from these intrusive thoughts. There. Life, the sky, it is life. Don't take the dark away. These new thoughts put an end to my struggle. A light, no bigger than the tip of a pencil, but in no time at all it grew to the size of a tennis ball. Then a soccer ball, then the... No, Not no, the no, fire. No, no. This is hell. The light was an inferno which had enveloped everything. It seared my flesh, but that is not why I screamed. For what the light illuminated was far more horrific than being burnt alive. Mangled arms and legs jotted out of the pink and crimson ocean of what I could only assume was flesh. Human slugs strewn about the surface as far as the eyes could see. Their mangled bodies intertwined with one another. This gruesome image was thankfully yet excruciatingly overpowered by the growing light from above. A heat that made me yearn for the frigid temperatures from before. The membrane surrounding me began to boil and the sensation of my body being disintegrated within a moment was so indescribably painful. Having your own eyes boiled out of their sockets is truly a sensation I would not wish on anyone. Yet this sudden barbecue was not the end of my dream. My sight immediately switched to a new space. The same nightmarish image, but from an entirely different angle. This new angle, however, was short-lived as I felt the light once again burn away this new body. Countless times I would feel my consciousness shift to a new position in the hive of flesh. Like flipping through channels on a television. 
mouths screaming silently, eyes watering and bursting from the searing heat above, rivers of bubbling flesh. Billions upon billions attempted to witness the force which wanted us to disappear from this reality, our arms and legs grasping and kicking at the behest of far-off voices, seeing the horrid landscape through eyes we could not identify as our own. Millions of thoughts screaming out the same response in millions of languages. No more. A horrifying collage of final moments. And then, it stopped. With blurred vision, we watched as the light began to shrink. Blessed darkness returned to soothe our burnt and melted bodies. I thought that the return of the blessed cold would mean an end to the immediate suffering we faced. But such hope was quickly dissipated. Please end it. There it is. What did Don't we let do? it happen again. My mind could no longer focus on the chaotic symphony of my fellow sufferers as I felt my body violently tugged at. The symphony of screams echoed my own. I cannot truly explain the final sensation of the dream, but I will attempt as best I can. Our bodies weren't being pulled apart from one another. We were being pulled towards the same direction in all directions at once. All the while we observed that even darkness was blindingly bright when compared to that which we were being pulled into. Where the light had once been, we now bore witness to the gaze of the abyss, a clear, unseeable divide between the material and an infinite expanse of emptiness. I would always wake up screaming from these dreams. My parents were sympathetic at first, but as the years came and went, their sympathy departed as well. My dream would only become more manageable at the age of nine, when on a field trip to the planetarium, I was introduced to images of the known universe. I saw so many similarities to my dream that I realized my lack of understanding is what terrified me so much. From that day forward, I devoted myself to the study of astronomy, and it seemed that my hypothesis was correct. As I began to understand the laws that governed our reality, I was able to use logic to explain why what my dream showed me was complete and utter nonsense. How a planet made of living human flesh was a completely daft notion. How a star expanding at such an extreme rate was impossible and that a planet would no longer exist if any star came that close to it. After some time, the dreams disappeared altogether, and my hobby went from coping mechanism to absolute passion. That was until the 10th of April, 2019, when the unblinking gaze which had haunted my childhood was shown to the world. Humanity's first high-definition image of a black hole. I remember sitting at home being excited to view the image, only for my mind to revert back to my childlike self and the scream once again flowing involuntarily from my lungs. My mind became consumed by the nightmares once more. I could focus on nothing else. My work began to suffer as a result and I could only barely interact with others as the dream seemed to infect my mind even in my waking hours. 
For most of the last two years, my time and effort were once again focused on my studies as a means to cope with these horrendous images of my past. The return of this obsession, however, came with a far higher price than it did in my youth. I had held a respectable position at the university I used to work for. They were even in talks of me becoming the head of our department. All such talks, however, disappeared along with my position as a result of my focus on pseudoscientific views. Those fools seemed to have forgotten that science itself was the practice of pretending to know how the universe works. But mine, I discovered, was a field ruled by the opinions of old men too scared to stick their necks out to truly reach the new frontier. They would much rather hide behind a paycheck where they confirm that which we already knew, discovered by their betters hundreds of years ago. For hell's sake, not too long ago, people believed that we could cure depression by drilling holes to let the demons out. And there was a time when we knew the sun went around the earth. As our ability to inspect the universe improved, so did our understanding. But as scientists, we should be the first to inspect new theories and be willing to admit our faults of logic when shown evidence. Forgive me. I realize that I went on a rant of ethics, when the true desire of my words is to have you all understand that my dream was in fact not some ridiculous vision of an overactive imagination. As I began my investigation, I realized that the laws of physics alone could not explain to me why this dream terrified me so much. I had to delve into the studies of the mind, and thus I grabbed anything and everything psychology related. Hell, even after some time I went to see a professional at the behest of my family to ensure that I was not in fact just having some form of nervous breakdown. He highly advised me to get on some Adderall and have a vacation, showing me that he was in fact not very capable at all. But my studies helped lead me down a new train of thought. Consciousness is a complicated beast even more so than understanding the fundamental laws of our reality to a degree. We have many educated guesses into the reasoning behind human consciousness itself, how it is formed, what events could lead to changes, and which parts of the mind house which behaviors of learning and understanding. Yet there are aspects we are still only able to guess at. What powers human will? How is morality not simply something that is taught but rather fundamentally understood by all people, regardless of culture. We also have unspoken human rules of body language that we aren't taught, yet we are all subconsciously fluent in. This bothered me, as I felt the arguments of biological instinct just didn't cut it for me. How is understanding transferred like that? I kept going deeper. The deeper I went, the clearer the dreams became. It came to me more often. Sometimes while just sitting down, I would pass out only to witness the dreams again. My mind would begin to linger on certain points within the dream, like showing a picture to a child and telling them, look closer. Everything you need to know is right here. At this point, the fields of physics, psychology, and biology had failed me. There was a piece of the puzzle that I just couldn't fit using these explanations. The mass of minds screaming in unison, a shared knowledge which transcended the scope of any simple hive mind, 
I then began to delve into religions and the idea of human souls as a vessel for consciousness. The fear those minds felt, their reactions to being swallowed by the infinite, it was beyond a simple biological desire to survive. They feared an event that was not alien to them, something beyond the mercy of death. Now, I can feel you collectively rolling your eyes, but the idea of a soul separate from oneself that lives on beyond death, why wouldn't that make sense? The law of conservation of energy states that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change shape. Why can't a soul or consciousness follow this rule as well? But that then begs the question, what is the source of a soul? And how is it possible to have a seemingly limitless supply? After about a year of research and the realization of what the image in my dream was, I came to the only logical conclusion. Well, as logical as I could manage with my now seemingly splintering psyche, the voices had begun to permeate beyond my moments of unconsciousness, and I would walk around only to stop in my tracks as I hear the far-off voices. Are you there yet? You must be getting no close. good can come with the answer. Will he even believe? None ever do. Sometimes I could see them. Eyes peeking out from gutters. At first, I was sure it was simple exhaustion from the dreams keeping me from proper sleep, never really able to switch off my own mind. The dreams themselves even began to alter, seeing vast forests of mythical creatures, or being in a space station in a body beyond my own comprehension. Yet all of these dreams would end with that eye staring down on a momentary inconvenience of its eternal wake. And it happened again. Forgive me for how my mind wanders. I wanted to tell you all what I discovered was the source. You see, black holes are horrible things in the field of physics. They flip the bird at all the rules we know, bending light, screwing with gravity, and somehow swallowing mass, which is something that spits in the face of the law of conservation. Where does light go once it enters the inescapable abyss? an abyss that can transcend the speed of the fastest thing in the universe, the closest we are able to observe FTL in real time. And that was when a realization struck me. We keep wondering when the energy or mass will escape a black hole, or if it is simply relocated to a new sector of space. Some theorize that black holes could act as gates between different points in space, but my realization came with another whisper. This time, in a voice I recognized, it never went anywhere. Hearing my own voice for some reason snapped something within me. Remember how I mentioned I spent most of the last two years investigating my obsession? Well, for the last six months, I've been locked in a mental institution. My family apparently found me in my apartment scribbling on the walls and screaming about elves and ghosts. I had drawn several black dots against the wall, which I could only assume were meant to indicate the eyes of the galactic abyss, but the writing that accompanied some of these were either in a handwriting that was not my own, or in languages I had no knowledge of. Spanish, French, Arabic, Mandarin, ancient Italian, hell, I even had Egyptian hieroglyphics and Latin. All of these reportedly referred to dates and times, all different. Some were decades into the future, while others were millennia into the past. 
The only reason the doctors were sure it was millennia was because I apparently told them so when asked. Dates written in made-up seasons or months, some with numbers that did not match any mathematical system. Most of this I could not recall, as the final memory I had was the response of my own voice. It would be weeks before my own consciousness would somehow crawl its way back. Now, you might be sitting there believing that I had a blackout of insanity, but that was not the case. I may not remember what my body did in those weeks, but my consciousness had gone on its own journey. A journey, I fear, I did not return completely sane from. And that was where the final answers of our reality were shared with me. In between the group sessions, the medication, and the doctors assuring me that the voices weren't real, I decided to truly become a man of learning. Rather than ignoring the teachings I received, I embraced them. This is where everyone begins to accuse me of pure insanity, that I have become a bubbling fool who believes in conspiracy and has abandoned my own logical nature. But I no longer care about their belittling comments the accusations of my own lack of sense. All I can do now is explain and warn you all. Now, I am certain most have heard of the idea of multiple timelines. The idea that each decision you did not make, in fact, lives on in another alternate timeline. This can be as something as simple as the time you bought the red jacket instead of the black, or as substantial as your own suicide. In the timeline you are living now, you lived through the choices you made, and somewhere there is another you who is living the opposite decision. These storytellers of a million worlds told me the tales of the supernatural, such as spirits of old women in grey strolling through abandoned cemeteries, to those of small-winged creatures born of the laughter of children, a reality where you stayed with the lover, and one where you didn't to worlds of beings centuries older than us who had the grand misfortune of discovering all that the galaxy had to offer. They were all true, yet all false at the same time. We are in the current year, yet also in the time of the Great Khans and the fall of the Iron Curtain. Time is not linear, nor multiple paths. Time is a web, billions upon billions of strands which all lay on top of one another. Now, imagine these multiple webs above one another had a drop of water on them. Slowly, the water will accumulate to the lowest point and then drop down to the next web once the weight is great enough, only to be caught by the next layer to have the process repeat itself. Our dreams are not some secret messages of our own psyche, but rather the messages of a past, alternate future. But this droplet travel is not without great threat for any vibration calls to that which made the web. We humans are no random biological fluke, no. Rather, we are made for a singular purpose. Reality's largest and juiciest buffet of experiences. Billions upon billions of minds fattening up the souls which we contain. Minds which receive extra flavor from the spiced remnants of all other times and places that had and will become part of us. However, like any fine dish, one must look out for what might disturb the delicate balance of flavors and textures 
the most telltale signs of an overspiced dish is when one flavor overpowers the other, such as the mind which is intended to ripen the soul. A soul becomes tarnished by madness, be it of the individual or of the masses. And in recent years, our chef has been having bad luck with our preparations. A world of infinite information exchange, of eternal chasing after the next bit of entertainment to consume. The level of human experiences is reaching the point of overindulgence. We have begun to hang heavily on the web, and they are feeling the vibrations. The stark increase in human mental instability and more manic behavior is proof that they will come soon. We are ringing the dinner bell, and once the abyss opens, we will suffer a fate beyond death. We will be drained of ourselves and sent on to the preparations of the next course. We don't need to worry about the travel of time, as time is our jailer. And in the end, we will get to escape it, whether we like it or not. Fear, the eye of infinite emptiness, for it hungers after a delicacy of experiences. And until its infinite appetite is quenched, we will simply have to learn everything all over again. Thank you for listening. You can probably handle another horror story, right? <laughs>